Hey guys, welcome to a special series on Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom about curiosity. This is episode two in the curiosity series, and today we're going to be hearing from Mandy Napier. Now, Mandy's a, a pretty amazing person, I found out, but the funny part of this is I uh, came to learn about her by simply doing a Google search. You know, I was trying to get some people I knew and some people I don't know never heard of for this series, but she had posted an article about the entitled why curiosity is the essential skill to build right now. And she was sort of a a life coach and mindset coach. And I thought, Hey, this person obviously values curiosity and has a pretty interesting background. And I'll reach out to her and see if she'll do it. And she agreed. And lucky for you guys and me, we get to hear all about her today. And I'll just tell you a little bit about her. And uh, all links to all these things are going to be at the original blog post on my webpage, www.chrisbircher.com for uh, Curiosity Episode 2. You'll find links to all these things. Um, but Mandy, in addition to being a, you know, an, she's a certified speaker in Australia. She's from Australia. And, uh, well, first, her interesting background, right out of, um, I'm not sure if it was high school or university, she spent seven years sort of traveling the world by herself and living in crazy places and meeting all kinds of interesting people. And one of the things she says in the interview that it really impressed upon her how some of the people that she met who um, she might have thought lived in the poorest sort of conditions were the happiest, which I thought was very interesting. So she's known as uh, the Mindset Alchemist. She's a global high-performance mindset coach, a speaker, educator, and author of Creating Healthy Life Habits. And then, so after traveling the world for a while, she became, uh, and I believe represented Australia in, I guess, an international Ironman competition. So pretty amazing. And then came to where she is now after she was forced to quit um, her um, athletic uh, endeavors, I guess supposedly for an injury, and had some issues that she needed to deal with that she sort of just figured out on her own um, and with the help of some other people. And now she, she likes to do that for other people. And I was uh, sort of blown away. Uh, she was not what I expected, although I don't really know what I expected. And uh, suffice to say, I think you'll get a lot out of her. Please uh, consult my webpage for the links. And I hope you enjoy Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom interviews about curiosity. Episode two, Mandy Napier. And the first question I have for you, Mandy, is, well, just if you could sort of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself in just a couple minutes. Cool. Are we going? Yep, we're going. We're going. Good. Hi. Well, well, hi. Thank you for having me on. Um, look, I live here on the beautiful Sunshine Coast. I'm originally from England. Um, I've been a bit of an adventurer, um, didn't want to live in England, travelled the world. Um, I've represented sports in ultra-distance triathlon. And then my life fell apart. I had to give my sport up. And forward fast, it's the whole reason that I do what I do. I'm a mind and high-performance coach, and I help people uncover their stuck patterns and their limitations so that they can achieve their potential and um, yeah, perform optimally in their lives professionally and personally. So that's how I start. I love swimming. I go to the beach most days, do yoga and running. So we, we like to keep ourselves pretty fit. And I've always been very curious. <laughs> well, that's really what I want to pick your brain about is to, um, I guess my first question is, um, what, how important is curiosity to you personally? And then sort of secondarily, how important do you think that is to human 
the yeah. human species. Yeah, for me personally, I've always been a curious kid. I always wanted to explore and know why things worked and they didn't. Um, and I think my curiosity was what led me to having a mindset of possibility and opportunity. And at a very young age, I realized I didn't want to live in England. So as soon as I could set sail, I went traveling the world. And, you know, with the curiosity, you, you meet the most incredible people. Um, and I think that's what makes you thrive and, and just meeting different people, how they live and what they do in their lives. It just expands your mind. And I think on that note, one of the reasons that curiosity is, is an essential skill is that if you think about it, the, the meaning of curiosity is a strong desire to know or learn something, to be inquisitive and to wonder. And if you put all that together, it's quite a high energy statement and the energy of the mind is focused. So with a curious mindset, you're going to be in a higher energetic state. And when you're in a higher energetic state, you feel more alive and you see things that you would otherwise miss if you were, let's say, not curious about life or stuck. So I think especially in the days of, of the pandemic that we're in now, it's never been more important for people to embrace a mindset of curiosity, you know, whether it's curiosity about what's not working, how they can change their business or how they can adapt to a completely different way of life. It's essential for people to survive and thrive. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in complete agreement and I think that's a wonderful way to put it. And I guess a, well, a follow-up is, you know, I, I've noticed, I live in um, a very rural part of America, a very, a very Trump-centric um, part of the world. And I, I, I wonder, I'm curious about whether or not everyone is curious. And so my, my first follow-up question is, when you went on your adventures, when you left England, did you know that you were curious? I mean, were you feeding or was it something you discovered that, oh, this is because I'm just, I'm just like this. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think I, as a kid and even a teenager and, and traveling the world, I'm not sure I identified that I was a curious person. I was just always wanting to do things, not mm -hmm. sit in one place. So I think I was, it was just, just me. I was, I was always doing things and exploring as a kid. Um, and, and I think um, I, I don't actually label myself as an entrepreneur as I define an entrepreneur, but all entrepreneurs have a curious mindset. You look at the Bransons, the Einsteins, the Tesla, you know, Tesla they, they have to be curious because otherwise they would get stuck um, because they wouldn't be able to see what they can't see. And, and your question about is everybody curious? No, there are a lot of people I believe are not curious and they just, I guess, exist in their life of sameness um, and do the same thing most days. And, and they might have, I guess, the other term that goes with it is having a fixed mindset rather than a growth mindset, which is a, a very, you know, very well-used terminology. I call it a mindset for success, but it's very much the same thing. Well, and I like how you uh, link sort of what I, what I heard anyway, is linking the growth mindset with curiosity and that almost being in the same sphere or almost similar, a similar approach to life, which makes me, you know, I find myself, and this is probably judgmental, thinking people should be, people who aren't curious should be. Of course, everybody has permission to do whatever they want, 
But you said something else that made me think that maybe in your, in your work, in your coaching, are you consciously sort of um, nurturing people's curiosity to kind of pull that out of them? Or would you use the term like growth mindset, trying to get someone to switch into a growth mindset or? No, look, growth mindset's um, an awesome concept. And Carol Dweck, who wrote the book, has done the most amazing research. But I keep it simple in, in my world. I don't <laughs> terminologies. Um, I guess being a coach, one of the greatest skills we have, not only to listen, is to be curious and ask questions. So one of the key things about curiosity is asking better and different questions. So whereas I listen with great, I listen with great curiosity to hear and feel and see what they're not saying, I also ask questions because questions can direct the energy of the mind into a completely different place. So really the art of questions, whether we ask them to ourselves or to other people is where the gold can start, you know, you can push your mind through a stuckness and when you can see things differently, you can do things differently. So it's all about opening up to a new level of awareness and possibilities that you would not have seen. And why would you not want that? <laughs> I guess that's... <laughs> I, I'm with you. I, I've been sort of a, a bit of a, a curious person all my life. I'm, I've been fascinated about incremental improvements, how I can be the best I can be why humans that are rich aren't happy, why people I met in Africa didn't have anything but were happy. So to me, and, and there's such an amazing um, world that we live in, there, there are endless possibilities. But I've also realised that not everybody has a mindset of curiosity. So if I can instill and ask someone a question and it gets them to think differently and be curious about something they're not doing, or they could do better in their life, then at least I've sprinkled a little bit in what they do with it is there. <laughs> well, yeah, I just, I, I see this fascinating thread of, of curiosity and sort of uh, almost training, uh, almost as being, an, 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 I would never say this literally, but uh, a gateway or, or, a, or, a, or a mechanism to help people change by, like you said, asking questions and pondering their, I have a problem one way of solving that problem is be, cur be curious, have a curious mindset about that and see where that goes. And do you find that people are responsive? I mean, is it effective? In my work, absolutely. And part of my trainings many years ago was neuro-linguistic programming, which is all about how we, um, the strategies that we run, you know, it's about excellence, but part of that is asking questions to really scramble the mind and get people to think differently. So if you can ask someone hmm. a question and scramble their mind, they might have to push through it. And if they push through it, they may not think they're being curious, but if they can <laughs> um, and get a different result um, or be more creative, because creativity is very much linked up to curiosity, um, then I think it's a great thing. People have a choice to what they do. But I, I don't honestly think that we go around calling ourselves curious people or we have a growth mindset. I think they're very much words and terms that, you know, people have written on and talked about and done research on. Like there's a lot of research on, on curiosity that's been done in business and it's mm -hmm. been shown. Harvard has done some studies and I'm sure thousands of people have that 
you know, it, to me, it makes perfect sense. It's not rocket science, but they've realised that when people um, are more curious in businesses, which means they ask questions, they're more creative, and they increase trust and collaboration, which they would do because if you're connected <laughs> and you're feeling high energy because you're looking into solutions and possibilities, well, it is going to increase engagement and trust and collaboration and different ways of doing things. Yeah, no, that, I, that that's fascinating. But you, you, am I correct that you sort of um, um, see clients who are wealthier or um, I, I don't know how to say that uh, have good jobs or these entrepreneurial type people, um, presumably because they have an issue they want to work on. So hmm. if they weren't naturally curious, <laughs> I mean, I see how that improves it. Um, yeah. But it's, it's interesting to me sort of to look at, like you alluded to before, people that have money and aren't happy. You know, are there, are there successful people who didn't get there because they weren't curious? And does that get them stuck? Uh, mm. and, they, and they need to be curious to free themselves from that stuckness, I guess. Yeah, look, I think that was my fascination for years. But now in my work, you know, I work with a lot of very high achievers and successful entrepreneurs. Right. Remember, right. we don't see ourselves through the same lens of others. And every human being gets stuck at some stage in their life, whether it's stuck on how to transform their business, how to complete a project, how to make healthier habits in their personal life and not focus so much on their work. So everybody gets stuck. So they may have a curious mindset, but when we get stuck, we get stuck. So I help them get unstuck, get their curiosity back so that they can see things differently and help them create better habits. Um, so for instance, one of my um, standard practices that all my clients do is they have a set of daily questions and weekly questions, and they all they must they don't have to answer the daily <laughs> questions, which I've designed to be super quick, so there's no excuses. And then they send me their weekly questions at the end of the week. Not so I can be curiously nosy about their lives, but it helps. <laughs> see what's not happening but it's such a good habit because it lets them take a, a reflective look with curiosity what they've done what they haven't done how they wasted time what they can improve next week so really it's all about it, it ties nicely with incremental improvements and small steps you know Kaiser right. approach. The, the way that they're usually measuring their their lives, I guess, and success sort of metrics. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, my curiosity in, in my work, I guess my brilliance is helping people see what they can't see, you know, those unseen patterns, because that's what I discovered many years ago. So I can help people see what they can't see and how their old patterns are holding them back. And when we can release the energy of that, you know, we can open up the energy for more creativity, better improvements, and an even more you know, curious mindset, I guess. And again, I mean, it, it's interesting. A friend of mine recently, um, who I admire a lot, he's a closet philosopher, but he's really um, an, an athlete. He runs a CrossFit gym. And I was telling him about coaching, and he said, whoa, I, I got to tell you, I'm not sure I could ever do that. And I thought for a minute, like, you mean? And he, and he explained to me, he, he felt his ego was too big to admit that he needed help. And, and what you just said, it made me think of this, everybody gets stuck. Yeah. And there's such a stigma, especially for men, 
um, to seek help. Mm. And, and what you and what you said about you know a natural progression for an entrepreneur is to ask questions and work with people and all those things, but yet there still remains this. I don't see a big movement toward self help, <laughs> especially for for males. Yeah. Um, could you speak? To, you must have seen this. Could you speak about that for? minute yeah sure look i said all i mean two things on that um one of the reasons that i really enjoy working with high achievers and successful business owners is who do they have to turn to you know they might have be running you know i've got a client who runs a million dollar business but he can't go and talk to his staff with his problems because it's it's you know there is a bit of a line of, of how close you get and how you know how you keep your business and your figures sacred mm -hmm. And he doesn't want to burden it on his family. And he's a high achiever. And as I know myself, all high achievers, our greatest assets are our greatest downfalls. We put pressure on ourselves that we should be able to do it. We should be able to fix it. Um, so I'm very humbled because I, I went through this learning myself. So I'm right. very humbled when they realize that they can't do it on their own. But, you know, people have to get to the stage when they realize they can't do it on their own. So my background, as I said, is... is you know, being an athlete, and athletes always have coaches. We know that we always perform better with a coach. So my take on this, you don't people don't come to me because they're broken or problems. It's a human thing to get stuck and struggle and get someone on their side, and we always perform better with someone that can be a sounding board, can prod us, can support us. So, you know, that that's what I – and I would love and encourage more – um, more people in, in big businesses and guys especially. I, I have a lot of men clients who still can't open up to open up. Um, and I'm very honoured and very privileged, you know, when clients come to me because that's the hardest step, asking for help. I know that myself. So you think it is? I mean, that's so funny. I mean, I guess it is for me too. It is hard to ask for help. And I, and I don't really consider myself a high achiever, but I identify with a lot of what you just said about you know, the perfectionism and sort of, um, you know, expecting to be able to do it all yourself without getting help. Um, so, yeah. I, I mean, have you had clients, and I don't know how much you can talk about, uh, who obviously did struggle, let you knew you could tell that they were struggling to ask you for help? Absolutely. And, and I get, you know, some inquiries on my website. I get quite a few people from overseas in America, actually, which is awesome. But when they've reached out, you know, they've almost taken the first step. But I've had other people, very occasionally, I, I had a client recently, I'm still working with him, who works for a very big, very big company. And he needed to hear it from a couple of other clients first. It wasn't anything about my mm -hmm. work. It's convincing. He was just like, will it work for me? So even when he thought he'd asked for help, he wasn't yeah. sure whether it worked for him. But he spoke to two of my clients and that was probably the clincher. Um, and now he's... Have, having amazing insights and got a great lens of curiosity on things that he just took for granted. Well, that's fantastic. Um, what's the, I mean, I know it's probably different for everybody, but is there a, this process to me seems like it sometimes can be very slow. Is there a time frame for sort of? Yeah, it depends. it's funny. A long time ago, I used to always take clients on for a year because I thought, you know, we know that latest science has proven it takes 66 days to 100 days to create new habits so change doesn't happen overnight and it's not instant so i used to help you know occasionally people with phobias and you can do that in one or two sessions however i, I changed my 
my model last year. I went, what would happen if I actually kept my prices and I cut down the length of time that I worked with people? And interesting, so I made some 12-week programs and the, some of the transformations that my clients got were phenomenal. It was almost like an intensive. Um, yeah. I'm results focused, but it's like, right, this is what we're going to achieve. And then we just got into it for people that want faster results. And then they most often keep working with me. Occasionally when I meet a client, I'll, I'll sense that they want a more slower sustain. So we'll do a six month or even a year program. But ultimately I've got clients that have been with me for quite a few years. Well, yeah, I, I can see that. You take couples? <laughs> oh, actually, yeah, yeah. I, I don't specialize in it, but I've, I've helped um, a couple do their values for relationships, which mm -hmm. is massively because then you're getting curious at that about level. About each other and about your relationship. Yeah, and you think you know what that value is to them, but you realise that you don't until they actually explain it and you have to listen. So I've done some work with that, but I'm working with a, a fabulous couple. I worked with him for a year and I'm working with both of them because they run a property and they've, um, they've got a beautiful property out, out west um, and they've got a child. So they've got all these dynamics going on and mm -hmm. they're just functioning fantastically together. Um, it's awesome. It's, it's a, you know, so I'm really enjoying that. And they're a beautiful couple and they've achieved amazing things since we worked together. That's so encouraging and great to hear. That's uh, really neat work that you do. And, it, and I didn't really think about relationships before, but being curious in a relationship, I mean, it's almost a requirement for something that's going to last. <laughs> It time. is. A, trouble is in life, you know, we all, we might think we're curious or occasionally we ask curious questions, but because we're creatures of habit, we tend to fall back into our patterns of habit. And then what happens is we take our partners for granted. We don't mean to, but we just do the same old thing and put up with things. And then we forget to stop and curiously look, well, how is this working? Am I being the best partner am i supporting my partner um is there anything else i need to do but we don't often ask those questions so it's what my work helps people keep aware and curious so that you're always improving and being the best human that you can be well and, and that's definitely the theme of my life and my podcast is I, I do you have any other words for that i mean sometimes i call it enlightenment or seeking the truth or on the right path i mean <sighs> I don't know. It's, it's really difficult to put into words. Um, yeah, um, I just say, you know, I think most humans have a desire to grow and be the best that they can be, whatever it is to them. So I call it about um, incremental growth um, so that we can be, live and perform at our best. Well, another thing you said, uh, I, I fully support. I'm not sure if I'm paraphrasing or, or taking this out of context, but I get really hung up on disciplines that have a set vernacular, almost their own vocabulary and certain terminology. I'm on this, I'm on this um, tangent where some semantics matter, but they don't matter. <laughs> and there's jargon and there's all these other things that sort of prevent us from talking about a lot of this stuff. But I also get it as a former academic researcher, you want the jargon because that's what makes, gives you identity. Um, you don't seem to struggle from the jargon. It almost sounds like you resist that. I, um, I do a bit. And, and part of the reason is I've never been a bit of a rules 
rules girl and <laughs> I was one of those people that didn't like the deep research because it was too structured and disciplined for me. Um, and, and many, many years ago, I looked at studying psychology, but when I got all this free information and I read these theories that they put people into and the names that they called these things, I just went, I can't do that. So although we, we need a structure, our mind's a very fluid structure. And I think one of the, you know, the, the traits and brilliances of being a thought leader, I hang around with quite a lot of thought leaders, is they look at words and phrases and they they they're curious so that they put a different spin on it you know because we're all doing very similar stuff but they put their own stamp on it in, in, in a very different way explain it differently or unpack words and I love unpacking concepts okay. yeah I did an episode on doubt and I didn't realize that when I used the word doubt I'm really talking about a continuum of different things from pessimism to cynicism to and I didn't under I never realized before that the idea in my head, I boiled down into one word, but it meant a lot of different things. Yeah, because words have energy. You know, we're energy beings. I've, I've done a lot of interesting work with an energy healer for many years, years ago. And, you know, and words have great energy and they impact our body. And, and as we're energy beings, the word of doubt, generally, it can be massive, but it can be a really heavy energy. Whereas curiosity just by the label of that name is usually a higher energy wow now tell me more tell me more could you speak a little bit more about the energy uh concept yeah, yeah sure so um you know there's a lot of research done on words and the power that they have so i can't remember all the details but this is a classic one in canada there was a study done two groups of people they put them in two different rooms one group of people had all the words on the table and they were told to make sentences out of the words. So in the other group. So one group had words that were all related to getting old, like elderly, slow, um, low energy, retirement. So all those words. And when the people walked out of the room, they noticed that they were walking more stooped and slower than other people, as if the energy of the words, they'd absorbed them and, you know, embodied them because we are energy beings and vibrational beings so that was a classic example but we know that when we change a word we can change a meaning i had a kid that i worked with who had a lot of anxiety and anxiety you know people go i'm anxious you feel it and you get stuck and then you talk about it so you make it worse so <laughs> i just why don't you call it something different let's have a look at it and put this thing that you called anxiety here let's give it another name so he was a seven-year-old and he said, I'm going to call it gobbledygook. So by changing the name of his anxiety, it completely had a different meaning for him. And with some processes, he could learn how to spin it out of his body and not be associated with it. No kidding. The words are the word. The, I don't know if you said this, but the words have power. They, they have that energy almost concentrated. Wow, that is fascinating. A meaning, you know, to him, anxiety. We, we, I, I wrote an article the other day on labels. Sometimes people have anxiety, and once it becomes a habit and the emotion gets stuck in our neurology, you know, it gets triggered. So then people go, Oh, I'm just an anxious person. So then it then that the energy of the word becomes a label that becomes attached to their identity. And then when we get an experience, and we, we only find experiences in the world that match what we believe. 
So if people tell themselves, I'm just an anxious person, I'm always anxious, that they're going to find experiences that match and endorse that belief. So it's critical that we, we unhook the beliefs. So one of my processes on um, unhooking beliefs is a set of questions that I've got in my book that people can ask so that they can unpack the power of the words of the belief shift the energy into something else so that's being really curious um, wow but that, yeah, yeah well that, that's one of my big what i've learned is this old beliefs thing these things that you carry with you probably since childhood that just like you said you reinforce them with experience and then they have all this power but for the how to i like the way you say unhook it you know yeah. is it so is it about changing to a different label or is it about letting go of the label? Or is it both? It's both. It's both. Because first of all, um, our beliefs, most of the beliefs that we carry now and that are still like an invisible lens that we operate through the world, we got by the age of nine. And because they run in our subconscious mind, which is beneath our conscious awareness, we're not aware of them. So there are statements that we were told. You know, I worked with somebody who... Um, what was it? it was told they would never amount you know you're never going to amount to much blah 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 so they had a, a you know a money ceiling on, on what they could earn so first of all you have to get them to be aware of the belief and then you need to unpack it to loosen the energy and then you have to replace it with something else so we replace it with more a more empowering statement and when you repeat it enough times you make new neural pathways which means you're locking you know, more normal ways of operating. So, and with neuroplasticity, which I'm sure you've heard of, you know, the ability of the brain to change itself, anything is possible. I see the most phenomenal transformations every every week in, in my work. I'm so blessed. Well, and you can tell that you're very excited about that. I mean, that's to me, it just seems like a wonderful way to spend your life. That's that fantastic. Is. I've done, as I say, I think it was a culmination of everything I've done. My curiosity as a kid about traveling the world I you know hitched through crazy countries on my own and met <laughs> people but I was always careful about what I did and then I led you know teams of people and you know did the Hawaiian Ironman which was a pretty tough race and then I had to give my sport up overnight and my whole purpose was to look at me because no one could fix me you know, you want to get back on track when you're an athlete. And that journey, um, at the time, it was the worst thing that happened to me in my life. I had no sure. family. I left a very unhappy marriage and I left in debt. So it wasn't. And my sport was taken away. Right. I was pretty, pretty peeved about that. However, no one could fix me. You know, I went to all these specialists. So I went, okay, I have to look at me. Obviously, I created this so I can discreate it. And that was the beginning of my journey um, after quite a few years and many courses and stuff took me to quit a great career and, and set this up 13 years ago so that I know, you know, I know that I am living my passion and my calling. So I'm very blessed. But that is wonderful. And I don't, and I don't know what, um, this is another thing I've been hung up on lately is sort of the authority and credentials. I mean, for you to be able to do that, presumably midlife, and 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 gain whatever did you have to did you have to get certifications or i mean and i did that... it yeah because we all think we don't know enough and we should get that so i i did a lot of um, <laughs> training so yes i've got lots of bits of paper but to me they don't mean anything um, yeah the results 
that people get. They don't come to me wanting to know what my qualifications. They want right. to know their pro or help them with their problems. So I actually guarantee my results. I put a guarantee on my work because like you're paying for this result, not five hours of my time. You know, and, and that's what that is genius. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's just me or if it's America, but there seems to be this hang up with unless you have this piece of paper or whatever, which I agree, it's you know, I have lots of pieces of paper that you know, I don't even hang on my refrigerator, I'll sell them to you for 50 cents. But that seems to be the gateway to whatever it is that you're trying to do, and you've been able to achieve that uh, with your sort of own credibility, I guess. I, I don't know. Is there a... Yeah, I had my times. We all have times of the imposter syndrome, you know, over the years. With, oh, maybe I need to learn more. And it's a really common thing of high achievers. You know, I'll never stop learning. But there comes a time when you've got to take that step and, and charge what, you know, what you're worth. And, yeah, yeah. So over the obviously, you know, there's been times too when I've, <gasps> you put the prices up and you think, should I learn more? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I can't serve everybody in the world and the people that find me aren't usually totally in the box. You know, right. I've probably only had one person, maybe two people that, are, that have really drilled down into my qualifications and they're probably not the best match for me because if that's their most important thing about yeah, working right. my piece of paper, I'm not sure we're a good fit because I'm all about results. I've got plenty of bits of paper, but ultimately... It's me being the best I can be, keeping myself absolutely clean because I work a lot on that and neutral so that my client can transform and get the insights that they need. That, is, that is, I think everyone should know this story because it's a, it's, I don't know if it's anti-authoritarian or I don't, I don't, out of the box, I don't know what you call it, um, but I like it. Yeah, but I, <laughs> in the box very much and even now you know I've been open this year to some new just some, some new different clients and through that I've, I've been you know given information about let's say investments which I never would have looked at well I would but a lot of people would never look at them because they're a bit different and then your beliefs mm -hmm. come in and that must be a scam but I'm open-minded and curious enough to have a look and then I can make my own decision um, but some people won't even open their mind, you know, to look. For something new. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I've, I've travelled in America many years ago a lot, um, but I've never lived there. I've got clients there, but I, I'm sure there would be a lot more conservative pockets or very um, staid pockets. Yeah, there's a lot of... <laughs> rural America is very conservative. And I, and, I, and I don't know what it's like anywhere else. So I don't have yeah. much to compare that to. I think we all do. I think every country has, you know, people in areas that are people that just aren't curious and just exist. But unfortunately, as the world needs, you know, if we all stood up and, and were curious about everything, then we might even have a little bit of anarchy in some way. Right. I mean, it takes all types. It certainly does. But what I see here, and this you probably don't care, but um, is almost separatist. People don't want to grow because they get what we call above your raisin. You know, you can't do better than your parents did because yeah. then you're a college boy or whatever it is. And so what I see is a lot of, of societal mechanisms, cultural mechanisms to suppress curiosity because it's not 
it's um, anti-familial or anti-cultural. And um, what was that expression? Above the raisin? Yeah, don't get above your raisin. Like, oh, I, ra I, like I raised you to be whatever. Oh, raisin. Like, like rearing, rearing your children. Don't get, not, not the, not the <laughs> fruit. Oh, <laughs> don't get above your, oh. your raisin as in the grape. Oh, yeah. cool. You know, I guess you can do that. Oh, <laughs> the accent, raising. Oh, because in Does Australia, we have, yeah, yeah, we have a, I guess it's, it's not the same, but we have a really, really uh, not great trait of what we call the tall poppy syndrome. Hmm. Um, a lot of Americans that, that I've worked with haven't heard of it. And it, it's a bit like when you're doing well, there's always going to be someone that chops you down because they don't like people who stand out and are successful, which is a, right. a dreadful way of operating. Whereas I think in America, they, if you put it in a general thing, they very much cheer everybody or generally, you know, and very much into cheerleading and supporting success. <laughs> Whereas there's a lot of people over here that, you know, you get a little bit, maybe I shouldn't big note myself because there's always right. someone that's going to try and chop you down if you're doing well. So it's called the tall poppy syndrome. The torn poppy, like? Oh, the tall poppy. Okay, I like that. Well, I and I, regions, but I won't share because I can't remember today. I uh, I definitely err on the side of being humble versus being arrogant, so I can appreciate the not wanting to stand out. But um, yeah, yeah but just it, you know, we have to. Sorry to interrupt. Sometimes there's a way of standing out if you're coming from heart and you want to serve more people. There's a very fine line between ego and humble and i think the universe usually knocks people down if they if ego comes <laughs> in touch. but if we don't endorse ourselves you know one of the greatest problems i see is imposter syndrome and people being hard on themselves and beating themselves up instead of championing themselves um, so most people need a bit of that i think well i think i could do a little bit of that i'll follow up with you after, <laughs> after this recording okay. to do some of that work Come and be one of my clients if you like. Yeah, and I think about my wife too. I mean, that that I just um, you know, it's hard to find someone that that works with you. Um, I've been. You, know. you have to have a, a connection, and I've I've got a wonderful client in America who's um, uh, he's done a testimonial, but I'll, I won't mention his name because he has his other work too. But he's a real entrepreneur, and he's done Anthony Robbins. He had a coach for years. He's been a high athlete, so he's always had coaches, mm -hmm. but he couldn't nail his morning routine and he is looking at optimizing his life because he's setting up a startup business and wants to get in the Silicon Valley accelerator. So really amazing guy. So he came to work with me because um, he, he checked lots of other coaches out, but he couldn't nail his morning routine. And we met over, over Zoom. We had a meeting and he just, yep, he knew straight away. And within <laughs> we nailed it. I found a belief that he'd been told something when he was a kid, that was the thing that was preventing him from being a morning person. So that one wow. curiosity transformed his life. And then we found another tiny insight because I got curious about a normal habit that he was doing in his routine. And I just asked a couple of questions and he went, oh, so we changed it. And that, you know, caused massive transformation. So are, do you consider yourself an empath? I mean, an empathetic, or how are you able to, is it practice to sort of sense, to find these things with people? I, I think I've experienced it myself because when my life fell apart, um, I went to get a bit of help. 
no idea. I think she was a psychotherapist. And that's when she started to tell me about these unseen patterns that we had. And I had that not good enough, even though I'd represented Australia. and yeah. I, was just, well, I still had that. Thing. So I was fat and, and I had a challenge leaving my marriage. And she told me it was this thing called loyalty. And she explained it. And, and it just, to me, with my curious mindset, I went, well, I have to change that. I never want to do that mistake again. So because I've lived and experienced um, so much of it. I have, I have empathy for people because we're all humans and we're not perfect and we all make mistakes and we all need help. Um, yeah, That's so simple. That's <laughs> well, and I just, I mean, it's funny because I randomly found you on the internet looking for curiosity and self-help. I feel your presence is amazing. I mean, you obviously, I, I didn't realize you went so deep into what you do. Because so many, so many people do sort of self-help. Um, and I don't know that they do it poorly or, you know, like my, my local therapist here, she, she told me, she said, look, I see people, 99% of my clients are really, really bad off. You know, my skill set works for them because they need a lot of help, you know, sexual abuse, all those. So with, and she says, with somebody like you, I mean, I don't, I don't. Yeah. I don't work with you people. <laughs> I have a psychologist in town, a beautiful lady who does a lot of interesting work, and she sends me people sometimes because she realises that she's got as far as they can go. Um, and, and to be honest, not knocking anyone, most of my work is way, way quicker. You know, we might have one session when we talk, <laughs> but we get down to it. You know, I'm, I'm a, a bit obsessive about results. You don't finish an Ironman race by not having persistence and getting to that finish line, whatever. So I have been known in the past, I don't do it anymore to, you know, have more enthusiasm to get my client across the finish line, so to speak, but I absolutely <laughs> can't do that. And, and I think the other last thing is one thing I did when I set my business up, I didn't really have any business skills. I mean, I've run offices and teams of people, but I've never had my own business except entrepreneurial washing cars and, uh, growing lettuces and selling them when I was a kid to earn money yeah. to run horses. Um, <laughs> so I set it up with a really simple philosophy that if I get my clients awesome results, then they will refer me. So I think that was what I've always focused on. And it's not until I have conversations occasionally with others when I go, oh, maybe I am quite exceptional because I presume everybody does what I do. Everything. <laughs> for the money I, I presume that's normal um so i don't really ever look outside the no it's not normal it's exceptional but it should be normal and i'm so i'm so honored and happy to have been able to get an hour of your time and get to know you and just sort of can you uh sort of you know tell i'll, I'll of course list all of this stuff on the, on the post but yeah. if there's any particular way you like people to reach out to you or to learn more about yeah. you yeah, well, look, what I wanted to do, I've got several ways. I mean, they can email me, they can phone up if they want, um, depending on your time zone. But one <laughs> thing, I have a Facebook group. But apart from that, um, I've built a new subscribers hub where, you know, I've got a lead magnet on my website. You can get a free ebook, big deal. But I've set up a subscribers hub where anybody that's connected with me gets a set of mindset essential, their mindset essential toolkit. I've just moved it to a new platform. So it's free for everybody because I want everybody to have a sprinkling 
of the tools and techniques. So there's one to help you increase confidence and there's one for stress and a few other ones. So I can send you the link and they can hop on. There's no obligation for any more than sure. just getting stuff and then they'll get on. I have a monthly newsletter. I send out tips and tools. Okay. Yeah. If you send me that link, I will definitely post that. And, and, uh, uh, yeah. Sorry. And my ahead. email, someone wants it, like my website, just to do the basics, is mindsetforsuccess.com.au. And my email is mandy, M-A-N-D-Y, at mindsetforsuccess.com.au. So they're more than welcome to reach out. Anyway. <laughs> Mindset for success. I love that. I can't, I can't, it's, it blows my mind when I have experiences like this, and maybe it shouldn't, um, that we've met so serendipitously, but I'm very happy to have met you. And I really appreciate it. I believe it. that things are always meant to, you know, that synchronicity in, in the world. The person comes when you're looking, like I was looking for someone to help me with something recently, um, and they arrived, you know. So um, I think that there's a lot of synchronicity. We often say, is it a coincidence or just a fluke? but I think that there's a lot of energy in the world and you had an intention that you were looking for someone and sometimes, you know, magic happens when energies connect and hook yeah. up you're looking for. Well, I do feel like uh, meeting you has been magical and I appreciate that. And, and I will um, let you know when all this is going to come out and uh, definitely yeah. reach out to you about Yeah, and if you have any further. fascinated, not on, on your show here, but you work, you know, work with a therapist, so I'd love to know what what sort of things they do over there because a lot of my clients have already been to psychologists and I always say, what have you learned? Yeah, no, it's 10 years of CBT. And it's funny, I went back on some of my journals from 10 years ago and I really haven't moved the you know mark much forward. But yeah, we can talk a lot about that. <laughs> to me, that, 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 that just, ouch. I mean, I, I just think 10 years, if someone hasn't, help someone, then I think they need to move on or tell them I can't help you anymore because that's a lot of time to not get the result. I think the maximum I've ever had, well, it was probably a year, and then someone worked for another year because they were the biggest procrastinator I've ever met. So we moved on. <laughs> but we to the habit, so that was a long time. Well, I think it's two things. One, it's, it's the American insurance system and then sort of just the healthcare system in general that but yeah, that I would love to follow up and, and explore this at distance. I've already taken too much of your time. Yeah, and I appreciate I appreciate you bearing with me the technology wise, and I'm glad we didn't give up and uh, no, made it work. Not, I'm not a quitter. That's my. That's my <laughs> never, never quit on yourself. There's always a way. Unless it's a bad job, then you can quit. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot in the sand on that quitting too but I've written an article on resistance and persistence but generally we don't quit until you know ah, well I can't wait to explore more of your stuff on my own and then to follow up with you yeah, you send us and I'll, I'll send you the links and you can get some free stuff yeah thank you so much Mandy it's been an honor to meet you I really appreciate you taking the time my pleasure but <laughs> oh, you froze okay I'll talk to you soon thank you bye bye, bye.